2: This segment is brought to you by Jigmaster Jigs. When in doubt, get the jig out. Go to jigmasters.com and use promo code PNF20 and save 20% off your next jig order today.
1: Welcome to the and Fan Podcast, the Bass Fishing for Noobs segment, where we try to improve our skills as anglers by learning new techniques or improving the ones we already know. I'm your host, Ryan Milford. got my co-host here sean how hey, you doing What's tonight up,
2: sean i'm doing all right all right
1: uh before we get into this you know i, I, I did want to say that you know last week or the week before so one of those episodes we talked about you know maybe putting together a a noob kayak online tournament and uh we got some good response out of that and i think the other guys here at Paddle and finn really liked that idea so I, I believe we're gonna run with it. Now uh, I believe Brian wants to push it off till May to give us time to get everything, you know, get everything right. So, you know, we're not rushing, trying to get it done by April. But yeah, I think it's gonna be really cool. We're put still putting together all the rules and prizes and all that stuff. So stay tuned for all that. But just want to give y'all heads up that I believe this is gonna happen. But uh, yeah. Tonight we our guest we got Mr. Steve Coomer from Ohio here. How you doing tonight,
3: Steve? Okay, doing good. Thank, glad to be here, guys. It's awesome I, to
2: have you on the show, man.
3: I want you uh,
1: oh, thank tell you. it. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate. It. I want you to tell everybody like a little bit about yourself and your history with fishing and all that good stuff.
3: Okay. Um. What I usually tell people, in, like in my fishing seminars and stuff and, and things like that, is just I'm basically just an old hillbilly that fishes a couple hundred days a year. And and I river fish. I'm pretty much exclusively river fish. I'll, I'll always tell everybody. I, Don't ask me about how to fish in a lake, but but if you want to know something about smallmouth bass fishing in a river, I think I've done that about as much as anybody on earth. Probably too much if you ask my (laughs) wife. That's just kind of what I'm a fanatic about. Um, I kind of specialize in just trying to catch a big fish. I really don't. Fish tournaments because of that. I mean, I'm I'm just more. If if I tell you about what I a fishing trip from the day before, I don't usually say, you know, the guys that follow me online. I don't say, well, I caught 17. Instead, I say, well, I caught one that was 19 and a half inches long. That's just kind of what I'm after is trying to catch a, a good one. I guess at this point in my life, but um, that's what I do that's awesome i know uh
1: you know catch, catching several small fish is cool but man there's just something about the adrenaline whenever you're whenever you hang into a big fish like i, I remember when i caught my personal best out my hands were shaking for like 20 30 minutes afterwards and all that so so yeah i, I think it'd be cool to you know talk about you know how to target specifically like the larger smallmouth fish in the river.
3: I feel like it at least in the in in the rivers and and, in streams that I fish that um, they act completely different than smaller smallmouth bass that 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 they're inhabiting a different part of the river that you know, um, small bass, you know, you go to any ripple in in the spring, and you throw a some something flashy or a spinner bait, you're going to catch some small smallmouth bass. But um, you could do that for a lifetime, and maybe not catch a 20-inch smallmouth bass out of a smaller river or stream, unless you're on the Susquehanna or the New or something. But on an average smallmouth stream, you're just not going to do it. But um, that's because I, I I really believe they act different. They they inhabit a different part of the river. They're just they're just different fish. Um, I, I, I think it almost goes goes into biology if you, um, if you don't mind hearing my five minute spiel on on why I think big fish are different.
1: No, we want to hear
3: it. <laughs> the, you know, you know, um, a, I think there's a reason that all those small bass are up on the riffles, and that in in that 20 inch bass isn't. Oh, um, I'm old enough to remember. You know, before everything was digital and online, and, and your you had a radio and or, or or your TV was an antenna on the roof, and the bigger the antenna was, the better the reception. And I think a a big smallmouth bass, um, that lateral line makes all the difference in the world on on where he stays in the river. That. Um, he, he, he wants to maximize his advantage. And everything in nature, you know, it, it, it does what it does for a reason. It's not random, like sometimes people act like. And, um, you know, a, a small, smallmouth bass, he's 10 inches long, and in his lateral line 7 or 8 inches long. He just can't operate as efficiently in, like, really swift, turbulent water and see through that nearly as well as a a big, smallmouth bass. And um, I think a big, smallmouth bass is in swifter, stronger, more turbulent water most of the time. He's not up there in that glide right below the ripple. He's usually on a really strong strong seam between the fastest water in the river and and and, and some slack water that he can set in and and ambush stuff that's coming along. And, and, and you need to just fish him a little bit different than you do the ones, the, the smaller, smallmouth bass. Um, it's amazing to me, um, I've, I've read a lot of studies. I'm really into like studies on bass. And that um, there's several university studies that say that there, a fish's level line is actually more important to its feeding than its eyesight. That they they've taken some fish and they've disabled its lateral line, and then they've taken some other fish that, that they blinded, and they put them in crystal clear water, and and so this fish that's lateral line wasn't working right, but it could see perfectly fine in that crystal clear water. Actually, had a harder time feeding than the fish that was blind, but its lateral line worked, and 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 that to me makes all the difference in the world in targeting a big fish. You're trying to target a fish that his lateral line is two, two or three inches longer, I mean two or three times longer than a small, small bass, and so he's going he's gonna to use that to his advantage and he's going to be in a completely different part of the river. Most of the year, I think for a big bass, there's really no place that is too fast, as long as there's just a little pocket for that bass to lay in if it's if it's so fast that you think damn i'm going to drown if i get if 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 i get into that stuff that's the place i try to catch a big smallmouth bass
2: most of the summer that definitely presents some challenges in presenting bait to them i'm sure but uh i'm I'm sure you can elaborate on that a little
3: you know probably does i think i think for a bigger fish that you're, for me hunting the bigger fish, my lure selection is way more limited than when I am just out trying to catch, you know, I'm, I'm just out trying to catch some bass. Um, it, if I'm trying to catch a trophy smallmouth bass out of a river, you know, in that super fast turbulent water and I'm trying to fish that little pocket behind a rock or up against a wall, um, you know, you throw a crankbait into that water that that's that it's that fast it's going to flip up on its side spinner bait's not going to work right it's going to roll over um usually it's pretty well exclusively something on a big hunk lead you know it's a it's a lead-headed jig and a a swim bait most of the time for me or 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 a grub um now we're talking trying to catch a big fish i'm not saying (laughs) yeah I'm, yeah. I, I'm not saying for just going out, no, I'm going to catch 20 fish, you know. Well, then I, I would approach that completely differently. But, but, but for a big fish, I'm re- really comfortable most of the year throwing, throwing a soft plastic and then matching the size of the lead head to how fast the current is. And yeah. I usually always have in, in, in the kayak or on my pack something of a huge variety of weights. You know, and um, some of them would seem ridiculous. You know, it's like there might be, you know, it's, it's five miles of river that you're, you'd look like a fool if you're throwing anything but an eighth ounce jig head, because it's, you know, two foot deep and, you know, it's a small stream. And then there's that one little pocket where maybe there's a bridge abutment or something that shunts all the current to one side and it's blazing fast, and in that one 10 foot spot I might throw a half ounce chick head, but it's the only spot in the whole stream that you wouldn't look like a fool throwing it, but you know, it, it, it pays to have some stuff like that in, in, in your kayak, you know, or, or in your pack if you're waiting. Now
1: quick question for me. You know, I, I recently caught my first fish off of a off of a soft plastic swim bait and now I'm kinda like man Uh i really i really want to learn i really want to get more into the swim baits because you know it's pretty cool so so when you're throwing a swim bait you know what uh, are are you throwing like a kitek like everybody else is and like what what size swim bait are you talking here
3: oh this is going to get complicated but it is is really interesting (laughs) i think uh up Up here in Ohio, the, the, the EPA shocks every stream. Actually, I think they shock every stream in the eastern United States at about a three mile interval. And they electroshock and sample everything in that stream. Now, I know in Ohio, it's posted online. If you go to the Ohio EPA site and you enter any stream, it'll give you the report and it'll tell you what the electro shocked out of the stream and i think it does that for every state in the country but you're probably going to have to you may not be able to find it online without contacting your local epa but up here anyway every stream that i fish i can you can go online and it'll say you know on the little miami river mile-and-a-half below Route 4, we, we electro-shocked up this many spot fin shiners, and this many um, central stone rollers, and this many you know, shad, and and you can actually match your swim bait size and your color to what is in your river, and you can make a specific lure selection for where you fish. It's pretty cool, but it definitely takes some research. I'm not sure that in every state you can do that without having to call the EPA or call the Department of Natural Resources. There's there's a wildlife biologist in charge of the electroshocking program. I think in every Department of Natural Resource, and those guys I have found are really good about answering questions, and they'll they'll send you and email you their shocking data from every state that I've tried so far. That's kind of the way I go about it. I try to match the size and the shape of the bait and the color to what I think is in that section of the river. There there's some general rules if you don't want to do, do that. Um, in in almost most of our streams. You know, you fish a lake and it's got shed and it's got crayfish and it's got some a couple shiners and then that's about it. That's what the smallmouth are gonna eat. In, in most streams in the eastern United States, there will be at least seven or eight different darters. There'll be seven or eight, ten different kinds of shiners. There'll be eight or ten different kinds of minnows. There's a big selection of stuff, and each of those fills a little niche, and, and, but they follow a general rule. In the pools, it's usually something like a chub or a shiner. It's something that's flat in profile, you know, and it's um, it's, it's lighter in color. And the closer you get to the ripples, there's stuff like um, darters and there's, uh, you know, that's, that's the kind of things that live in the ripples. They're usually rounder in profile and they're darker or, or, or they're a little more colorful. They got reds and blues on them. The river that I fish the most, um, 28% of all the fish in the river are a darter species, and darter species look nothing like what we conventionally think of as a minnow. You know, we think of a minnow as silvery and flat, and and, and darters are round and they're, you know, they're brown and gold colored with little flecks of blue. They look a lot like a a grub shape instead of a Flat minnow shape. So, but but then, so you kind of have to match. The closer you get to the ripple. I throw something that's rounder and darker. And the and the more I fish in the pool, I throw, I throw something that's flatter and lighter in color, just to uh, follow and try to be a little more natural. Okay, uh-huh. it, it's completely different than lake fishing, I think. Do, are there like specific
1: brands you usually tend to gravitate towards with, with those, or do you, is it all uh, still based on that?
3: Ohio, my, up here in Ohio, my, my brother has a popular line of lures and the Vic Coomer lures. And, and so I usually use his stuff. He okay. makes a three inch grub and then he makes a flat, um, it's called the curly shad, that's kind of shad, shad shaped. Um, and he makes a swim bay. It's a lot like a, I think you, would, you, you could use. You know, most most three inch grubs to me work work fine. You know, I, I, I'd be happy with most most three inch grubs up close to the ripple. And then a, a, a good quality flat swim bait probably in the pool.
1: Awesome. You said Coomer Lures, is his company?
3: Yes, yeah. Vic, I, might have, I might have to Check Lures. that out. That that that's what I throw most of the time. It, it's it's pretty much a Ohio Indiana based lure company. I'm, I'm not sure you're gonna have a hard time finding it outside of that that circle. I'll have to get my connections in
1: Ohio and Indiana to hook me up then.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah there you go. Mr. Brad Hicks. There you the, go. The, the, the only other lure that that I, I consistently use if I'm just after a trophy and and I'm a big fan of saying I don't know why, I don't know when I don't know but, but for some reason at least in the streams that I I fish a a big buzz bait triggers big smallmouth bass. Um, I I think you can throw a big buzzbait and and you may not catch a lot of fish, but if but if you can catch at least here in the streams I fish, if you can get if if you can catch 30 of them, a couple of them will be a trophy smallmouth bass. It just just throwing a big full size what you would consider a largemouth bass buzzbait instead of the little three inch long buzzbait that everybody thinks is a smallmouth buzzbait. Um, I, I usually throw a big one. It It's funny, I've, I've read some studies and smallmouth bass, if they are eating a minnow, they are not selective to size. And, and it's just as much trouble to catch a little minnow as it is to catch a four or five inch minnow. And the smallmouth bass doesn't care about the size of the minnow he, he, um, he eats. It's, it's, it's different when, when it comes to crayfish. Um, the bigger the smallmouth bass is, there's been three or four studies that show the bigger the smallmouth bass is, the more selective he is on the size of the crayfish that he eats. I know, I think it was the University of Wisconsin that they built a big giant like 300 gallon aquarium and they put these smallmouth bass in it and then they would dump crayfish in there. And um, the 10 or 12 inch smallmouth bass would run over to the first he scene. He didn't care if it was three inches long or inch and a half long or four inches long and he would do Just like we all see on YouTube, he would suck it in and blow it out and suck it in and blow it out and fight with it a little bit until he gets a claw off. and It might take him 30 or 40 seconds before he ate it, but he would eat that, you know, whichever crawfish you come to. And then they had some 19-inch smallmouth bass. And the 19-inch smallmouth bass, if there were only big 3- and 4-inch long crayfish available, they might be a week before they ate they would just be starving before they would go over and eat a big crawfish. I don't know if they're older and just more experienced and and know that, you know, if that big old craw gets a hold of me, he's going to hurt me. But um, then those same smallmouth bass, those same 19-inchers, they would throw little crawls in the aquarium and like an inch and a half long crawl, the smallmouth bass would just swim right over to it and suck it, suck it in, wouldn't blow it back out, just suck it in, eat it, and go to the next one, suck it in, eat it. And um, if you throw what everybody thinks is a big, you know the big, pretty, plastic crayfish with the big claws, you're selecting to catch a smaller smallmouth bass, in my opinion, and if you throw a smaller crayfish. I think we all use crayfish imitations that are too big, and we use min- min- minnow imitations that are too small most of the time. That's kind of my opinion for catching a trophy. You, you know, I'm not talking about catching numbers, but but you're selecting to catch a smaller, smallmouth bass if you throw a big crayfish. My disclaimer is that I don't know nothing about largemouth bass fishing in lakes, that may be the greatest thing ever to flip, you know, up in the up in the trees to catch a five pound largemouth. But if you're trying to catch a five pound smallmouth, you're better off with a with about an inch and a half long crayfish imitation.
1: Well I, I will say that using a a I'd say a bigger size crawl, I have caught a, a over five pound largemouth. But you you may have i yeah. have just sold me on something. I, I've been thinking about getting those, little, those uh, Z-Man Ned Rig crawls, the, those little bitty crawls that they made for the Ned rigs. Mm-hmm. I've been thinking about sure. picking some of those up. And that's what I thought about whenever you just mentioned that smaller crawl presentation. It, I, I might have to go pick some of those up and try that now when I go target some smallmouth.
3: I know. I know Berkeley. Um, I think it was Berkeley. Anyway, it was somebody for pure fishing. They did a, yeah, it was Berkeley. They did a, they did a study, and they had all these aquarium. They had all these smallmouth bass in aquariums, and they they presented them different crayfish imitations, and a big pretty crayfish imitation with legs and big claws. You know, they recorded how many strikes it got, and then they they modified it and put smaller claws on it and it got more strikes and they kept whittling down the claws and whittling down the legs and the thing that got the most strikes was just a crayfish body with no legs and no claws no arms Just a, it was just that flat shape of a crayfish body that got the most strikes but um, they didn't sell that because while they're testing the fish they're t- t- testing the fishermen and all wanted was the one with the big, pretty, giant claws that floated up and looked good in the water. And so they ended up selling the crayfish imitation that was the least effective hmm. on, on the fish because it was the most effective on the fishermen. I'm, I'm a huge believer in that you need to downsize the size of your crayfish, especially for a big fish. You know, you may catch just as many on a bigger crawl. But you're going to catch smaller ones than the guy that's fishing a little crawl. Right. Um, now with minnows, I think it, I, I I don't think they care. They just want whatever minnow they can eat. You know, it it takes it takes a bass in a river. It takes him ten or twelve years to get to be nineteen or twenty inches long, and I don't know if he's just got enough experience to know that hey, that big crawl, you know, I I. I don't know if you've ever seen the fish with crawls, but if a if a four incher gets a hold of you, you'll know it. And and I don't know if the bass know that or it's just an instinctive thing, but but it, it's definitely the bigger the bass, the more selective he is about the crayfish he eats. Well
1: that makes sense if you you know, compare it to to like humans, you know, the, the older people get the wiser they seem to be like you know being smarter about you know choices they make so when when you're young you know you're, you're down for anything so so yeah i
3: yeah. I, I can see that yeah. In bass. yeah i, I mean it, it 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 might be just as simple as that i don't know because because they the, the studies that i read definitely say that a 12 or 14 inch smallmouth bass doesn't care you know he just tries to get whatever he can get
1: that, that that's like the like the late teenager bass right there right
3: <laughs> yeah yeah I guess he is yeah he's just trying to get whatever he can get. <laughs> maybe, maybe you got a point there
4: <laughs>
3: I hadn't thought of it that way but you're probably right you're probably right
4: now
2: I, you said
3: uh, oh go ahead you know my my gra- grandpa I come from, like I said, a long line of hillbillies, and my grandpa, you know, we would sing crawls when I was a kid and fish with live crayfish, and and he would always pinch the claws off, and he would say, you're going to catch more fish, you know, if you pinch the claws off, And, and it turns out that science, you know, proves them good old boys right, that you are going to catch more fish, or at least you're going to catch bigger ones.
2: You had said um, you fish them on jig heads. Are you saying like a, just a ball head jig, or like a skirted jig, or what kind of jig heads are you using?
3: Most of the time, I'm 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 a big fan of just a plain ball headed jig and, and 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 a swim bait. Um, I'm trying to throw it into something. You know, I'm trying to throw it into that seam that's usually right up against a rock or right up against an abutment, and um, that way. I I mold my own, you know. I, I go through so many in the summer that I, you know, I, sometime in the winter I'll sit down and mold a thousand of them. And that way, you know, you're out a quarter instead of you're out of a sixteen dollar, you know, suspending crankbait. And, and 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 you'll you'll throw it into places that you wouldn't throw that crankbait. And um, in the in that really fast, swift water, it's more effective anyway. I think if I, if you fish streams that have a more of a crayfish population, you probably might be better off throwing a, a skirted jig more. I, I live in farm country, the bottom of our pools are pretty silty and they're pretty soft. And honestly, I I'm imitating the bait fish more than I'm imitating a uh, crayfish most of the time because we just don't have the big populations of crayfish that you know. Streams in West Virginia or Tennessee or somewhere that that, that, that aren't in such heavily farmed places have, just, just because of the composition of the bottom of our rivers here in Ohio, Indiana, and northern Kentucky. The, the actual bottom composition of the river, I think, means a lot.
1: So, it- you know, you said the bottoms of yours are more soft, so if you got, like, a lot of rock, would, would you consider more of a crayfish presentation then?
3: Yeah, I think so. Um, I would, it might go back to, you know, you're going to, ideally, you're going to talk to your Department of Natural Resources and see what's in yeah, your stream yeah. the most, you know? It, and, and a lot of the tributaries there our rivers up here are loaded with crayfish, and then I'll fish what the skirt kid or I'll fish a, a small plastic crayfish, you know. Um, but the, most of the rivers, at least here in Ohio, we're through farm country, and, and we just do not have as much of a population of crayfish. It probably makes our smallmouth bass a little easier to find because they are closer to the ripples and they're closer to you know you can weed out a lot of the river because it's you know it's got a soft bottom and you you know everybody knows smallmouth they they like current and hard bottom so but but I I do think that if you live in farm country you should consider throwing more of a minnow bait than a crayfish bait even though. You know, you, every magazine tells you, you know, smallmouth bass eat crayfish, smallmouth bass eat crayfish. They, they do in classic magazine smallmouth rivers, you know, if you're fishing the New or the Susquehanna or Big South Fork or the Cumberland or something. But, but up here in farm country, I think you're better off throwing a minnow most of the time.
2: I was going to ask you a little bit about uh, how you uh, approach the, these spots. So, if you're in your kayak and you want to be in that fast-moving water or casting into it anyway, are you floating down and then anchoring right below it and casting up into it, or are you just floating the whole way and hitting what you can? Yeah, I'll I'll I'll, I'll either I'll either anchor
3: across from it or beach it, you know across from it I or I most of the time you're going to throw slightly upstream and across and and let that, that let that soft plastic flow flow with the seam so that it looks natural coming to that fish that's 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 in that little pocket um, while we're talking about that, that I, I I think I could throw something out there that is a Tremendous big fish spot that I have not really heard touted a lot, and and that is, is that um, in a lot of rivers and streams there's there's a lot of like bridge abutments or or lead into under roads where there's like a 30 foot long smooth concrete wall, and and if that is in really fast current. That that will sometimes produce a trophy smallmouth bass. We we look at those spots and we think, man, there's nothing on that wall to hold a bass. You know, it's just a smooth wall, and um, like there's one up here that I've caught three 20-inch smallmouth bass out of off of this one flat wall that that is about 35 feet long and it doesn't have a single feature on it, but it has really fast current and in and the current is running lengthwise down the wall. And what happens is that that current, as it's going down that smooth wall, it's rubbing against that wall, and it and and, and it starts dragging as it's going down the wall. And somewhere down that wall, you'll see that it, the faster current, is 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 getting ahead of that current that lags, and it'll it'll break. Free from that wall, and it'll make a little strip of turbulence right along the wall about five inches wide, and it'll be down the, the remaining length of the wall. And there's just enough room for a smallmouth bass to tuck himself in against that wall. And again, it's a big fish spot. We were talking about their lateral line being longer. If the water is fast enough and turbulent enough, that is like tailor made for a trophy smallmouth bass. He can set in that little pocket of water that's caused by the water dragging against that wall, and, and he can use that big lateral line and and, and he can see stuff coming in that fast water, and it can't see him because he, you know a minnow's got an inch long lateral line, and he's got a big advantage there. And um, that is an overlooked spot that I never hear anybody talk about in rivers and streams that that because it's a one fish spot there's only room for just that one fish to tuck himself up against the wall but that's a if you can find one of those in your creek or your river it's consistently year after year after year you're going to catch a trophy smallmouth bass off of it every time you see a bridge abutment or you know a guy will build a concrete wall at the end of his property so that the river doesn't wash away his front yard you know check those out and if there's enough current on them Sometimes those are the like a top secret trophy smallmouth spot. It's worth looking out, worth looking out for.
1: Man, I just thought of like three or four different spots like that. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm gonna have to hit those. Yeah, you, yeah. You have to
3: you, you have to go over and look at them and see if you know if there's enough current to make that drag. But but man, it it, it is amazing. Um, in you know it, it's kind of overlooked because you're never going to go there and catch six fish or you're never going to go there and catch eight fish but you might go and catch the fish you know that's that sometimes that's it's all cool. you need and um yeah <laughs> yeah that's all i care about that's all you need It's just the fish and um check those out it, 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 it'll surprise you
1: definitely and, gonna you know you're up.
3: really all you're looking for all you're looking for is a spot the size of a shoebox. you know that 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 that's got just enough room for that big smallmouth bass to tuck himself in there out of that current and then and then he can then he's got an advantage and um and i i honestly think that's why we we don't catch more trophy smallmouth bass than we do because everybody fishes for them like they're fishing to catch 20. and if you're fishing to catch 20 you're not going to catch a 20 incher you just you, you gotta look at them
1: differently I can already see Brad Hicks right now when he listens to this episode you know he he keeps talking about he's still trying to get that 20 incher in Ohio you know he I don't think he's broke that 20 inch mark now and he's gonna be like I've been doing it all wrong this whole time it's, just...
3: it's a rough thing to do in Ohio I'm, I, I'm the the, the state of Ohio they they give out a fish Ohio award and you get a little pin mm. and and it used to be that it was for a twenty inch smallmouth bass and they would only give out like a couple hundred out of the whole state every year. There just wasn't very many turned in. But um, <clears throat> if if you quit fishing for numbers and 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 just try to fish these spots for that one fish, you can you can do it every year. You can catch three or four every year, and and that's saying a lot for Ohio. Yeah, and
1: you mentioned the pins that y'all get. I think that's really cool. Here in Tennessee, they you know we got the uh, uh, reward program or whatever you want to call it here too. You get like a certificate, but I think that pin idea is cool. Like. Put in a hat or something like that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I wish Tennessee yeah, would adapt that. Yeah, there's guys that are
3: crazy about those. You'll see the whole hat cover. Yeah, I think it's a neat program. I, I, I think it's a pretty cool program. Um, they, they, they switched it now to now out of an inland river stream. It, it's an 18 inch smallmouth bass, so that they would get more participation. It was just too hard to catch a 20. Yeah. We're we're just not quite Tennessee or West Virginia or Virginia, I guess.
1: Sean, do y'all have – do you know – are you aware if y'all have uh, something like that in uh, Pennsylvania?
2: I believe they do, yeah. I I am fairly certain they do. So um, now I – you talk about the Susquehanna. I live about 15 minutes from the Susquehanna. And we have right where I – close to where I live is – a mile-wide bridge two bridges actually so there's probably 20 or 30 of those bridge pilings I'm definitely gonna have to check those out a little closer uh, because uh, there's definitely some current current moving through there and uh, some pretty big bridge pilings so yeah yeah
3: they're worth looking at a and, and the nice part about it is it's a piece of structure that never changes you know how you go back to the river and and everything looks rearranged from the year before, from you know from floods and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff. Those those are there. You find one, and you know it's, it's a lot. Of, you may have to look at 50 of them to find two that are that that'll work for you. But if you find one, it's going to work for you for decades. That's the cool part about it. Um, I I should mention one more thing that. That, that I think would really help out the guys in in more farm country and the the guys in Indiana and Illinois and Ohio and places like that. Um, I'm a real I'm pretty well known around here for I I do a lot of writing about the experience of the trip and nature and seeing an eagle and like like I'm really into that and, and that's kinda what I'm known for. My probably my dirty little secret, if you want to call it, is is that in farm country, the the vast majority, you know, of of the um, of the trophy smallmouth bass that I catch are on a piece of concrete, even though I'm looking (laughs) at nature and looking at all that kind of stuff. um, That's in in our farm country streams. You know, we don't. Here in Ohio, we don't have very many streams. We don't have very many. You have to really look to find a rock that's bigger than a garbage can. There's there's a lot of rocks in the streams, but they're smaller rocks. They're, they're We don't have the big rocks that are the size of a VW bus or, or a Volkswagen or something like that. So when the river floods and, and, and it's raging in the winter and spring, it moves... All the rocks out of the really raging, fastest part of the river, and and you know if you're in the Big South Fork of the Cumberland or something, and there's a rock as big as your house, it'll be in that, that fastest water, and and nothing can move it, and so it creates that really great scene to grow a big trophy smallmouth bass, just like I was talking about. He can sit there. And, and, and the whole river's rushing around this big giant rock and it's really turbulent water and, 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 and that occurs naturally. Here in farm country, honestly, what creates that is concrete and, and, and you've got a better chance to catch a trophy smallmouth bass fishing a little more unnatural stuff because that's what's in the river that's big enough to survive and stay in place in that in the fastest current in the river. Um, most of our streams, you know, back in the day, um, I wrote a book about the Little Miami River and it had in the Little Miami and the tributaries that went into the Little Miami, all the different little tributaries that went into it, but there were about 200 and something lowhead dams and, and they're all gone, but the remnants of those low-head dams and big chunks of concrete and all that kind of stuff is still in the river. And and every time, if you fish in foreign country, every time you see a big chunk of concrete, you should check it out because that that's probably, if it's in enough current, that's probably the best spot within hundreds of yards either direction to catch a big big smallmouth bass. It's certainly a much better spot than 100 yards up, up on the ripple be honest because it's got deeper water it's got faster water it's got more current
2: it's got more food for fish that makes a lot of sense now, there,
1: there's something you know i was thinking about earlier while you were talking I, I wanted to ask you about this down here you know about five minutes away from me is henry horton state park the duck river you know, it's it's a smaller river flows right through there. Right there at the park, there's mm-hmm. a part where the the river it it's pretty wide in this area, but it slims way down to where it's only like, you know, i would say maybe 15 feet. So, uh, 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 you know, it it's like l- probably less than maybe half, but less than half of what the river usually is. It it slims down mm-hmm. right there, so it creates, you know, some some riffles right there, some faster moving current, and it kind of goes down this slope, and then it opens back up again. And and I was it, it's pretty shallow right there. I think it's like maybe a, a couple feet right there where it's coming down that slope. Well, right there where it opens up, I was wondering about that spot right there, just off of where that current is. You know, fishing. You know, just outside of that current, you know, I feel like a f- fish are gonna sit right there and wait for for uh, food to come down through
3: that current. Am I thinking right there? I just yeah, I would think so. Um, I I I think one thing you have to consider, and and you really have to consider this, is is that you know, a, it takes. A minimum of about 10 years for a smallmouth bass to get to be really big, to get to be overnight mm-hmm. in, 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 a, in a river or stream. You, you also have to consider how accessible that spot is. You know, if it's somewhere that somebody can just pull up and some redneck can throw that smallmouth bass in a 5 gallon bucket and take him home, he doesn't have t- 10 years to get to be a trophy. Uh, it's it, it's odd. Um, smallmouth bass, you know, in in a lake, smallmouth behave differently over their entire lifetime than than a smallmouth in a stream. They're they're out in the main lake and they're they're chasing schools of shad and they're real nomadic and they, they follow the bait fish. In in a smaller river or stream, um, biologists. Consider smallmouth bass to be a sedentary fish species. And, and what they mean by that is that after they leave from from where they're going to spawn, and they go to where they're going to spend the summer, they will spend their entire summer, every year of their life, in one section of stream, and 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 they will never leave it. And um, they, the the studies that I've seen say that smallmouth bass use a really strong like a knee-deep, a, a ripple that goes all the way across the river that's that's really strong and, and and just an obvious this is the line across the river. The smallmouth bass use that as a, a kind of a boundary and they will spend their entire life between two of those And and believe it or not if you catch a smallmouth bass below really strong across the stream riffle and then you wade up 30 yards and you catch a smallmouth bass above that riffle for all intents and purposes they could be 10 miles apart instead of 30 yards because they never have any they're two distinct different populations of smallmouth bass you you know they they will come together to spawn and they will come together in the winter to where they're going to spend the winter but but in the summer they, will, they are faithful their entire lives to one section of stream if it's a small, you know, conventional smallmouth stream. And, and so kind of your job in the catching a trophy is to find that really nice seam, but it's also to find the really nice seam that smallmouth bass can live there, can, can live in that, that section of the river for 10 or 12 years and get to be a trophy. And I'm saying that because you said it was in the state park, and it sounded like it might be a little too accessible. Well, that's something uh, that I think about for catching a big fish. This particular spot, see, so you, you're
1: getting me kind of excited because this particular spot, I don't think it's very accessible with fishing from the bank, which most people do there. I, I don't know if I've ever even seen sure. anybody else fish off of a kayak from there other than, like, me and my buddy. Now, that could be mm-hmm. just from lack of going there i've only went there two or three times uh at, in my kayak so there may be more people out there that i just don't realize but especially in that spot because i think most people that put in here are gonna go upstream from the launch instead of going down to this particular area but yeah oh uh, you you got me interested in 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 trying this out because i Somebody, I, th- I feel like somebody would have to have a really long cast in order to cast over to where this is at from the bank. Somebody have to try that out.
3: Sure, and, and then they're probably not get to doing that. They're probably casting <coughs> across all that current. They're not going to get down. Not going to get the right presentation to that fish that's tucked in, you know, out of the current. Mm-hmm. It, it 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 it's quite worth looking at. Um, I will say one thing about. Being inac- inaccessible to. Um, there's there's kind of two places that I catch a lot of big smallmouth bass and, and those are w- one of those is the place that's out in the m- middle of nowhere that is just a gigantic pain in the ass to get to. And the other one is a lot of times it's right in the middle of little towns if there's a ripple and a ripple and you got a nice boundary and there's three-quarters of a mile in between And there's a neighborhood there. And everybody's house backs up to the stream. And there's chain link fences. And you know what? Sometimes having a a stream right in the middle of a neighborhood makes it inaccessible in a a way, if you can see what I'm talking about, as opposed to a half a mile down, it looks like it's woods. and And there's not a lot of houses. But there's a parking lot and there's access. You know, so something yeah. to think about. Those are the two places that are your best chances, honestly, is to get away from everything or get right in the middle of everything, but it's not really accessible to the bank fishing guy. Because um, I don't know any kayak fisherman that keeps smallmouth bass. Do you? You know, I really don't. Keeps you know, them? Most kayak fish. Yeah, you know. So, you know, you're not worried about the guy floating down through that spot. You know, to to produce a trophy smallmouth bass, you're honestly, I, I'm gonna say I'm bigoted here, but, but, because I do a lot of wading and I do a lot of bank fishing, but it, it's the bank fishing guys that keep smallmouth bass. You know, and 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 so you have to look at places that's not that easy for those guys to get to. Your 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 place is probably definitely worth checking out
1: they have nothing else paddle up because i don't even know if there's really anything up that way and you, it's definitely not bank accessible from what i can see yeah i'm gonna definitely be hitting that area a little bit this year I, so uh, i
3: think that's the thing that, that that my smallmouth bass fishing more than anything was 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 learning and realizing that 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 they are in, in the small creeks and the streams that I like to fish that they are are homebodies and that they are in in, in trying to pick them apart and <laughs> in thinking of section a stream instead of oh I'm going to get in the river and I'm going to wait a mile and a half of it you know what I mean and, and yeah that's a good way to catch a lot, a lot of fish a big one the better way to do it would be oh I'm going to get here and here and fish for a half an hour You know, and then I'm going to float down this here and here because these are the spots that have a better chance of producing a big fish. They may not even look as fishy. They may not produce as many fish, but they have the potential because they're inaccessible to produce a bigger fish.
1: Well, I I got one more question for you before we start wrapping up. I don't know if Sean has anything else for you, but uh, real quick going for just the bigger fish you know you said you might only catch one how often do you get skunked i'm just
3: curious um it probably depends on the time of year you know you you're you're the best Fishing we have around here is in rivers and streams. You you shouldn't get skunked when the weather's warm. You know you're you know you're, I'm throwing a three inch grub. Something's going to bite it. You know what I mean? Um, that that's the nice part about fishing a river or stream. You're you liable to catch any of six or seven different species of fish. I do fish all the winter, and and you know this time of year, you you better get used to getting skunked. <laughs> if if, 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 if if you're not getting skunked, you're not fishing hard enough this time of year. Um, you know, our, our our water right now is um, it, it's warmed up a little bit. We're up to forty-one, I think. Two days it was forty-one. It's been upper thirties, and um, that that makes catching a smallmouth pretty hard sometimes. Um, so, I. The um, fish Ohio program going going back to that you know uh, last year I set a goal uh, of catching a fish Ohio smallmouth every week of the year on average I, I I didn't catch one every single week of the year but I but I did catch like sixty something wow fish that would have qualified for the fish Ohio program so so I did catch a little more than one you know one a week if you averaged it out but Come this time of year you 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 better get used to getting skunked there's no doubt about it
2: I know uh, the only other thing I was gonna say was uh, I when I was uh, reading uh, your social media a little bit uh, just to see kind of get to know you I, I saw a couple of your posts where you talked about uh, checking out the DNR and the EPA sites and that really made me want to start digging in um, for the PA version of that and uh, I didn't have a ton of luck right away but I definitely I mean I, I feel like you're, if I just give them a call maybe that might be the ticket they can point me in the right direction um, but that's yeah, you know like... I, I, I called Ohio's
3: and and the guy sent me just a ton of need information you know I'm I, he was he was happy to send me a lot of information and I've, I've done that for Ohio and I've done that for Indiana and in both of the Department of Natural Resources really helped me out a lot. But for Ohio, and I don't know, you might want to check on it where, where you live, the the real goal was with the EPA. The EPA just had so much information. It it, it was incredible how much they had, how much they had and, and they broke down each stream into like two or three mile-long sections instead of, oh, this is what the river's got. It's like, oh, this is what this piece of the river's got and this is what this piece of the river uh, you you can use the EPA stuff and you can make a lure selection for your river that you fish because most guys fish the same piece of river all the time. You can make the best one in the world for your piece of river if
2: you if if you can get the EPA information. That makes a lot of sense. How often do they change that information, or is it is it pretty like if one section is it going to stay that way with the same amount of fish for a long period of time, or?
3: Um, you know, there's there's several of them that I've seen that that over like a they usually do it. It seems like up here they're they're doing each river system at about a four or five year interval, and and there's some stuff online that is they've got maybe three or four of those, so there's 15 or 20 years worth of stuff, and um, it's pretty faithful and. Uh, unless there's some drastic development or some drastic rearranging it it seems pretty pretty faithful to if spot fin shiners are the most common thing then they have been five years later they still are it it seems like that it and and it's certainly better than just blind guessing absolutely yeah
1: i'm definitely gonna have to look into that for the duck river that river i was talking about that's right up the road for me because it's supposed to be one of the most uh what's the technical term i believe it's biodiverse rivers in the yeah. world you know it's supposed yeah. to have you know some like one of the biggest maybe not the most uh, as far as like quantity but the most different types of species in it diverse that, yeah so there's no telling what they're eating and, on there
4: and you know <laughs>
3: I live, um, it's about 15 minutes one way, and I live in the, and in, in, in I can fish the little Miami River watershed. Mm-hmm. And then about 15 minutes the other way is the Great Miami watershed. Two rivers parallel each other through the state, and you would think they would have comparable minnow species in them. And like the Great Miami, the most common bait fish is a spot fin shiner. And then and a little mountain stone roller and they look absolutely nothing alike and and it is consistently every stream is a little bit different than every other stream and and every piece of the stream is a little bit different it, 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 it's really worth a person's time if they fish the same piece of river all the time i think it's really worth the time to do some digging and find out what's there if you can't get online well then you know, it's a lot of fun in the summer to just get a get get a pair of gym shoes and some and some and, and, and a seine and get out there and see what's see what's in there. I I did some work for um, a conservancy that, that and, and we had a program where we would take kids out and seine the river and just it was called What's in the River and and me and a bunch of kids would go out with seines and we would sample. Sections of stream, and it it was amazing how diverse the river is, and um, it's a lot of fun. If you can't find it online, I think you're in the long run you're 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 better off spending a weekend sain in the stream and looking what's in it than fishing. If that'll help you out the next year or the next year more than if you just over float, float to fished it so um, if you can't find it online I highly recommend if you're gonna fish the same piece of river over and over and over taking a few weekends and, and, and hitting
2: it with the same and seeing what's there
1: awesome son you got anything else for for mr. Coomer
2: no I think I think that he pretty much covered everything I wanted to ask him so Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, well uh, mr. Coomer it's been a pleasure thank you for coming on here okay,
3: okay thanks I appreciate
1: um, it. do you have any sponsors that you'd like to shout out or social media where people can find you and follow you or anything like that
3: um i i have a blog it's um steven outside all one word at, at blogspot.com if you Google Steven the outside, it's the first thing. Also, um, you, you can follow me on there. You know, I, I usually post, you know, a couple, couple, three times a week during during you, you know once fishing gets rolling. You know, some fish pictures on there and and try to have some informative articles and things on there. Um, I'm sponsored by Vic Coomer Lures and a. A custom rod maker up here that's called Little Miami Rods, and um, he's he makes rods one at a time for guys that, that you know, if you want a rod and you want to handle this long, the guy's this, this way. You know, um, those are the two guys that I that, that, that pretty much sponsor me. I used to um, be sponsored by, by Pure Fish and and um, I don't know, it just for me, they were a little too big and. As you can tell by talking to me, I'm kind of a niche. I do my thing, and, and you know, it, it that that didn't work out as well for me. But but um, those are the guys that I support, and, and that's my blog. If you want to check me out, you can also find me on Facebook. If you, Steve Coomer on Facebook, you'll find ten thousand smallmouth pictures, <laughs> <laughs> and
1: the and the most all of them big. <laughs> We try. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank thank you again for coming on. Uh, sure. Any last words, Sean?
2: No, man. I, I think that's everything. Okay. Right. Well, thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate no problem. it. Sir, thank Have you. Have a good night, Steve.
3: Uh-huh, you too.
2: Thanks.
1: All right, everybody. We're going to close this out. Thanks for listening to another one. And, Sean, I You want uh, me to
2: take, us to take us out?
1: Yeah, go go ahead. Go ahead.
2: All right, guys. Well, thank you again for listening to the uh, Bass fish for News segment of the Paddle and Finn podcast. And as always, um, if you continue to get burned, come here to learn. Good night, guys. Later, everybody.
4: Go check out the website, guys, paddle, the letter N, and com. Also, check out YouTube, youtube.com forward slash paddle and Finn. If you get a question comment want to hear from a future guest feel free to email us at paddle the letter n and fin at gmail.com don't forget to follow us on social media we're doing giveaways announcements things like that at facebook and instagram at paddle and Fin. shout out to our show supporters rocktown adventures loveland canadian kayak Hammered Brewers, Fish Mob Brewers, TRC Covers, Catch Products. Go to catchproducts.com. You can put the paddle and fin logo right on your catchboard. Don't forget to go over and pick up your Jigmasters Jigs. Use promo code PNF20 and save 20% today. Don't forget to rate and review the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to. It helps grow the audience, helps others find our podcast. So please,